Today's podcast was brought to you by the King Shit. I don't know who he is, but he's out there, and he's making the rest of us feel self-conscious. Welcome to Down with Joe DeRosa, the podcast where I discuss one topic for one hour with one guest. And you know, I usually do a sort of formal intro at the top of these shows, and I wrote one for this episode, but I somehow lost the file, schmuck that I am. And I actually think, though, that that was a blessing in disguise because today's topic is race. And here's what I learned about race. Most of the time, when you try to editorialize about it, it's really, really easy to come off sounding racist, uh, or even potentially worse, self-righteous. There's almost no way to write about the topic of race, whether you care or don't care about it, without sounding like someone that fancies themselves as being enlightened or callous or dismissive or hateful or progressive or sensitive or one of the other 6,000 words that are just a fancy way of saying douchebag. So... Fuck the standard one-sided opinionated intro. Let's get into the discussion because that's where we can safely discuss race. Discuss. That's why it's called a discussion. Redundancies. Redundancies. I should have written an intro. Fuck it. Here we go. I'm thrilled about who my discuss E is for the day. He's a hilarious stand-up comedian. Just watch his Comedy Central half hour or listen to his album Raised by Cable for proof of that. He's also no slouch in the acting department, landing roles in widely popular films like Black Dynamite and Cloverfield. His television credits include everything from being a cast member on USA's Fairly Legal to performing on Conan, Fallon, and Ferguson, just to name a few. But more important than all of this, at least for the purposes of this podcast, he has many strong and insightful opinions on race. I'm psyched that he's here. Please welcome Baron Vaughn. Hey, Joe. Hi. When you read off my stuff like that, it makes it feel even more like there's no sense to the fact that I have a negative balance in my bank account. I'm just like, wow, I've done all that stuff. Still can't pay the rent this month. <laughs> Luckily, I got robbed, so that's a good excuse. <laughs> Sorry you got robbed. It's okay. It's the only business um, that you can, we've talked about this pre previously on the podcast, yeah. where you can do things like, have a TV show or be on a TV show and still somehow that's not good enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the, it's the momentum. I mean, just like people, the number one thing that people don't get, as you know, right. is the wild inconsistency and unpredictability of this entire industry. Yeah. People think, oh, you've been on TV. You must be on TV every day from nine to five. Like how I go to an office. Right. No, that's not, <laughs> not true at all. Yeah. If you, if you make it to the TV level in any other job, you are the emperor of that field. Exactly. That's it. If you're a dentist and you have a dentist TV show, it's like, dude, you are the greatest you, dentist. You are king shit. <laughs> king shit of the dentist. King shit. There it is. <laughs> king shit have tied in somehow. Yeah. Uh, well, we're here to talk about race, man. Let's talk about it. Uh, let me start us off by saying this. Yeah. Uh, I don't give a fuck about race, uh, particularly my own. I just don't care. Okay. Uh, I am... I found out recently, 80% Arab. I mm -hmm. thought I was part Arab, not that much. Egyptian, right? Well, I thought I was half Egyptian. I found out I'm not Egyptian at all. I'm actually Middle Eastern. 
What do you know? What uh, country, tribe, area? The DNA test that I took couldn't give specific, like you're from exactly here. It yeah. could just give you regional information. So, <laughs> two of the highlighted regions were Saudi Arabia and Iraq. That's where you want to be. That will. That is. <laughs> that is the middle of the Middle East. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the Middle East of the Middle East. Yes, exactly. You're really down in the thick of it at that point. <laughs> Uh, the other 20% of me is African, northern, and eastern, so I guess there's a chance well, that Well, there's that Egypt right there. Uh, well, no, Egypt wasn't part of northern what? Africa. That is... I, it is, but not the part... I was like Morocco, like that area. Oh, okay, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, and then Ethiopia was the eastern part, so I guess maybe I'm 10% black. I like to think that that's what it is. I might be Ethiopian. Really? Yeah. All right, how I've do you know? I've been told, well... I, a friend of mine who is the star of a hit show called Orange is the New Black... Yeah. Many years ago, uh -huh. told me to get an African ancestry test for my mom. Because my mom started getting really into, like, ancestry and looking all this stuff up. Sure. And when you're black, you kind of always hit this wall called slavery. So it's <laughs> like, once you get to that, it's kind of hard to tell. Right. <laughs> because European, like, white people are obsessed with their European history. Right. And their heritage constantly. Oh, I'm a quarter French. And then I'm half British. Yeah. And there's a little, like, Russian in there. Right. Because they know all that stuff. And then usually when they're like, what about you, Bear? I'm like, well, those records were destroyed. But the, the fact is that records were pretty, they were kept well. Because mm -hmm. slaves were property. So right. you had to know where they were going. Of course, people's names kept changing right. depending on the, uh, the preferences of their masters. So it wasn't until emancipation that someone was like, you know what? I'm George for now and George forever. I've had 12 <laughs> names in my life. Now I'm just fucking George, son. George King shit. Well, yeah. And those guys never could have fathomed right. that like one day there would be like these you ancestry pick your own tests name. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and shit like that. Yeah, exactly. Like, Fuck it. What's the matter? It's, uh, I'm George. Okay. It's I'm fine. George. Just uh, George. Doesn't matter. So I found out that our american heritage goes back to tennessee north carolina which makes a lot of sense uh it's north carolina is one of the major ports for slave trade sure um and then um not as major as new orleans but let's not get into that yet um, <laughs> so it makes sense because a lot of a lot of uh a lot of slaves came from that region of africa like right. ethiopia ghana okay um so my mom found out that we have gone and heritage well this is interesting because i feel like we're two men with a cloudy past uh yeah. because i'm the reason i don't know anything is because i'm adopted right so uh i grew up thinking i was italian and, and egyptian because uh -huh. that's what the adoption people told right. my parents and your last name is Derosa. well that's my adopted last name right but when how old were you and you found out you were adopted well i was adopted at nine days old and uh, i i've always known i can't oh. remember my parents telling me Okay, so knew. you just always knew. Okay. They just, I think they just told me since I was a baby, and it was just one of those things, like the sky is blue. Right. So, you know, um, but it, it, here's the thing, is the adoption agency said to my parents, uh, one of the parents was Egyptian and one was Italian. Mm -hmm. I think what got lost in translation was, well, one of them was from Egypt and one of them was from Italy. Italy. But oh. that's not necessarily what they were. Um, so I went and did this DNA test thinking... I'm probably Egyptian and Italian, but let me just see. And then got the results and was like, oh, I'm neither yeah, yeah. of those at all. Yeah. I'm 20% African and, and 80% uh, Middle Eastern, which I make fun of in my act. I I give accolades in the bit I do to the to the uh, African part, but I make fun of the Middle Eastern part. Okay, that's where those things belong. Right. Well, here, <laughs> here's the thing. Yeah. The, 
I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, like I have no pride in any of that. Right. To, to quote um, George Carlin's last special, you know, race and ethnicity, it's not an achievement. It's just a luck thing. Right. It's, it's just, you're, you know, there's, there's no choice involved. So I'm not proud of any of it. And I'm particularly uh, uh, apathetic when it comes to people insulting any ethnicity any I've ever had, whether it was when I thought I was Italian uh, or even being insulted on behalf of the Italian people that raised me. I don't care. I don't give a shit when people shit talk the Middle East. Okay. Um, and I'll take it even a step further. I don't give a fuck about what happens in any of these countries. <laughs> okay. I really, really don't. Uh, and here's why. Not because I, I don't have a human side that cares about people living in, in tough situations. And Of course I care about that. That's terrible to be stuck in, let's say, a war-torn country or, right. or a third-world country or a place stricken by poverty or whatever terrible thing is or is not potentially going on in one of these other places. But my point is this, is there's enough terrible shit happening here that I need to worry about that's right outside my front door that I need to care about and try to be a part of and try to tend to and and help with a solution to that. I don't give a fuck what's happening overseas. Well, here's the thing, because I was about to say literally the opposite of what you were about to say, what you just said. What's that? Which is that I have that thing where I get angry about shit I'll never experience. Like shit that's happening far away in countries I'll probably never go to. Right. People I'll probably never meet. I get pissed off that they're suffering. Really? And because in a sense, uh, actually there's an old Mark Marin bit where he's talking about being nice to people and, and angry and anger. It's old. It's old, old. Talking about driving down the freeway and then someone cuts you off. And you're like, well, what the fuck is that guy's problem? Right. And that guy who's saying, what the fuck's that problem? Goes to his job. Yeah. And he's a boss. Yeah. And he's like a piece of shit to someone who works for him. Then that guy takes that and goes home and like hits his wife. Yeah. She hits the son. Somehow this all ends up in the Middle East. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, I love that's that what, bit. yeah. But <laughs> it's like, it's, to me, I guess it's, it's all connected. Because well, when I, that's what, that's the thing is that I look at that shit that's going on in other countries and it makes me go, well, like there's a there's a book I've never read it's called Blowback, but the title of it in itself is an interesting concept, which is essentially American foreign policy for the last hundred years has essentially has created every enemy we have. Well, yeah, we went out there, we took something, we changed something because we wanted it. It disenfranchised an entire generation of people who were either who were just fucked or, you know, their economy collapsed, their their natural resources were plundered. Guess who they grow up hating? Right. The people who came in here and did that shit. 50 years later, they're trying to kill all of us. Well, I, I, can't, I can't disagree with that. Uh, but I also think there's, there's another side to the coin, which is um, success. The only, the only real crime is the success of this country. Meaning, things only stick when you're successful. There are plenty of other places in the world that have done equally disgusting oh, shit yeah, to what we've definitely. done the problem is is they weren't a superpower so when you become the superpower the the dirty deeds stick you know well, what we've I mean? made ourselves world police as well yeah and, the, like and we, we try to like enforce our shit on every country and and that's what i don't like like i don't and i'm saying i don't like it from this this is a selfish thing i'm about to say okay but i don't like it from this from the perspective of why should i fucking care about that over there. There's stuff here we need to police and fix. Why are we wasting time over there? Let them figure it out for themselves. And it sucks. Are there innocent people caught in the middle of all those terrible situations in other places? Absolutely. 
I feel terrible for those people. Um, but there were people caught in the middle of the bullshit here, too. And the only way you get past it is just letting the country grow and get past it and figure it out. Uh, you know, the classic example, I guess, of what I'm talking about mm -hmm. is like when people go, what's your opinion on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict? My opinion is none. I don't give a dog's fucking dick what happens. <laughs> okay. I don't care. What are you guys fighting over? The Bible. Take care, guys. Have fun. Figure it out. <laughs> and one day you'll have iPhones, too. Well, but then the thing is that that but unfortunately international politics is wrapped up in that shit we we have this bond if you will political bond to israel right because we're a christian country and that's where the christian that's where the jesus comes from yeah so I, we got to take care of the place where the jesus is from <laughs> and then you know of course american jews are incredibly connected to israel and sure they run the banks. No, sure, they don't really <laughs> run the banks. But I'm saying that, like, there's a very, there's a lot of very By powerful way, Jewish people in this country whose money, you know, will go to this politician or that politician, depending on how they take care of their fucking uh, concerns, which happen to be Israel. Right. Make Israel better, and I guarantee you, just find fifty thousand dollars under your mattress, bro. <laughs> don't worry about it, Obama. It'll just <laughs> it'll be there. Appear there. I just want to don't ask questions, Barack. I, I just, I just want to clarify something. Yeah. I I said sure about a thing you said earlier. What? Than saying the Jews run the banks. I was saying sure to a thing you said before that, but it came out right when you said and Jews they run, run the, the banks. Well, I mean, I'm joking. They don't run the banks. I know you're joking, but it sounded like I was going sure, yeah, and it sounded like I was totally being like yeah, yeah, of course they do. I wasn't doing that. Mm. <laughs> I know, I know, I get it. I felt the need to clarify that. Uh, not so much for you, but for the listening audience. For the listener, yes. Uh, Joe DeRosa is not a racist, is that kind of thing? <laughs> I am not a racist. Is that the new name of the podcast? No. Joe DeRosa no. is not racist. It's called, the new name of the podcast is Backpedaling. Oh, back, Backpedaling <laughs> with Joey DRs. Um, well, here's the thing. Yeah. Uh, oh. Interest Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I'll throw this out before you say what you're about to say, which is, I wouldn't care about race if other people didn't care so much. Okay. So it's it's the people who really care about it that fuck shit up. Right. Who go, who for some reason have decided they are superior because of the color of their skin, because of the country that they're born in, right? because of the God that they believe in, right? and then they try to force that shit on everyone else. Right. If we, in a sense, and I'm being romantic, left everyone alone, there's this... There's this, uh, this idea of lawlessness, right, that we created laws because we were just fucking killing and raping each other all the time, right. which there's more and more and more and more and more science that says, actually, that's not true. Right. Like, ancient civilizations might have been more advanced and more peaceful than we think, mm -hmm. but when we say that they were fucked up, that's really an argument for the state now. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, shit, people were killing each other all the time. Isn't it great that we invented laws? Right. This world is so much better because right. of us, right? This is uh let's have a coke. This is one of those moments where I forget that it's my podcast. <laughs> because you're so well read on all this stuff that I'm just like, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. I'm like getting <laughs> I did this happen with Kurt Braunler. I was like yeah. getting nervous that he was gonna start asking me questions because <laughs> he was so on point. Uh and it's great. I love it. Um but here's the thing. Yeah. Well, to speak just a few ticks back to the yeah. thing you said about like our support of Israel what in in that conflict and everything and, okay. and our motives to support Israel. Here's my thing. I know I'm 
I know people that support Israel, mm-hmm. and I know many people that support Palestine. Right. Um, and I know people that have interests, whether they're their own or sort of global interests, uh, in why why they are supporting either side of that argument. Mm-hmm. My thing is, is I get annoyed, like you said, it's it's the global economics. All that. I get annoyed at that aspect mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Why does it have to be? Well, it is because I know why it is, but it, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be involved. It should be pulled out of it. It should be, we're doing our own thing over here. And I know that's a naive way to look at things because of global economy. Uh, and I get it. But uh, that's the thing I get annoyed at. It's, it's the ultimate highest level that I can look at in that equation and just go, why do you care? Why do, does anybody care? Just let some people figure some shit out for themselves. We're in the fucking woods, man. We're in the woods and every every you know, species out here in this wilderness has to figure out how to do it. We just have to. And an unfortunate, terrible, terrible truth or reality in all that is you can't save everybody. It's just true. You right. cannot save everybody. You just can't. Um, it's, it's valiant to try. It's humane to try, but it's impossible. It'll never, it, just like you can't defeat terror and whatever else, right. you know, all, you know, uh, 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 just, just, just incredibly daunting task that uh, the, that this government tries to take on, and um, and the other side of that is is just, um, and I lost, I lost it. It's gone. It's gone. Can't forever. save everybody. Can't Had it. Can't save everybody. Yeah. Uh, and We're then all in the woods. That's what you were saying. Thing about the woods. <laughs> there was an analogy. I pictured yeah. Bambi and all the animals. You pictured running. Bambi in the woods. Uh, Weird, because I thought of like a like a satyr. Like a little goat boy child was playing a pan flute when you said the woods. Yeah, and then yeah. the kids came out of the wardrobe mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. England. Yeah, yeah. And there was a lion. And But which lion? Now, <laughs> that brings me to my point. Yeah. Prince Caspian is the best installment. Of the lion that was <laughs> in the wardrobe? <laughs> Movies? You no, know, the books. Okay, this is something I was thinking about last night, speaking of race. Yeah. Um, okay, so when I say that, like, yeah, what? But wait, wait, wait. Go Before ahead. we bring up this point, you just said another thing, though, the, that I wanted to talk about. What? The, when you talked about lawlessness and the people that think they're better and all this stuff. Yes, yes. Hold on to this thought. I want to throw something at you because it speaks specifically to your point on that. Have you, have any of us mm-hmm. in the modern culture, I know some people have, there's exceptions everywhere, but let's be honest, have any of us truly experienced hardcore racism for on a first-hand basis because i haven't and i'm part of a particularly hated group of people right you know um i've heard people say things about arab people in front of me not realizing i was arab Mm -hmm. i've had people talk to me freely and a bit condescendingly about arab people with the tone of you're one of the good ones right 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 but i have never in my life uh straight up experience straight up just like you Fucking towhead. Well, honestly, I wish I, I haven't either really, really, but I wish I had mm-hmm. because that is real. That's realer. Yeah. And it's like instead of that, though, what I what I think is the more sinister racism than just like, I fucking hate you, nigger, and then they run away. Right. Because I'm like, well, that guy's full of shit. Right. I like me. Right. But it's the constant, subtle institutionalized stream of you're just not you're just not supposed to do well right that that bugs the shit out of me right that this this constant stream of us being told who we can and cannot be based on 
what we look like. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That's very interesting. That's what bugs the shit out of me because honestly, the the most hatred I've ever gotten in a racial sense has been from black people. Because why? Because you're like dating a white girl because or something like that? I'm, because I'm dating a white girl or because I talk white or because I didn't dress a certain way or listen to a certain music. Uh-huh. That's, I mean, I have a joke about it. That's why I became funny. Right. Because I was in a rough neighborhood and this is how I've always been. Right. I just kind of always been into the shit that I've been into and I didn't give a shit. Right. But other people gave a shit. Right. So they had to put me down so they could feel like they mattered. Right. I guess. So, and that, and I'm not even angry at the black people who, who were awful to me. I'm angry at what it is that they must have experienced to make them feel that that is how they have to treat somebody. I am a big believer. I hear you. I, I hear you. And for that reason, what you're talking about, this kind of treatment and the mentality that comes along with, uh, with to fuel that sort of treatment, uh, I'm a big believer of breaking away from the group. Oh, I thought you were going to say I'm a big believer of breaking bad. No. You'd be like, the fourth season? That's my religion, bro. No, no. <laughs> I, what if... But if I was like, I'm a big believer in black people acting the way they're supposed to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course. Who's <laughs> yeah. not? I mean, what's the problem here, Baron? But then that's... Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, and I, I want to... No, what I was going to say is... I want to put some conspiracy theory in there after, <laughs> after that. What I was going to say is, is I'm a big believer in breaking away from the group. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a big believer in every man for himself. I really am. I really am. Like, and I know, again, I, that's callous in its own way. Um, but I, I really... I can't speak for the man, obviously, but you know, I'm a big believer in the Carlin, George Carlin philosophy of I'm not part of this. Mm-hmm. I'm not part of this. I'm just watching the show. Right, right, right. Uh, go on with the protests. Go on with the movements. Go on with the parades. Whatever it is, nothing's ever really going to change. This is going to just break down the way it's going to break down ultimately. I'm a big believer in that. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if he felt that way when it came to race, Specifically, I'm going to assume that he kind of did because on his final special, like I said, he he talked about how he had no ethnic pride, um, you know, and that he didn't really get like why ethnic day parades were a thing that people got excited about because it was right. like it was just a luck thing. Um, well, I know why, but go ahead. But he talked about more like the Irish parade, like the kiss me, uh, I'm Irish and that stuff. So he didn't speak specifically to like you know every every race's parade so um here's my point yeah. is that that all being said i think breaking away from the group helps you yes because had you said you're right i need to be part of the team right i would know, be an incredibly different person you'd be an incredibly different person but, you might I, I feel like it's the same and i feel like that's no more a betrayal some people would go that's 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 fucked up. That's a betrayal. That's racist to say that. It's not. It's no more of a betrayal than telling the guys on your block, whoever they are, the guys from the neighborhood, I'm out of here. I'm not doing this, man. Like, I'm not doing this. Well, and I think it's more the neighborhood thing than the race thing. Yeah, and yeah. then the race thing gets clumped into it. Well, it's because we, as a species, need to survive, right? Survival yeah. of the fittest. Now, I'll tell you this. Survival of the fittest was not said by Darwin. People who attribute it to him wasn't said by Darwin. It was said by an economist who existed at Darwin's time. And he took that evolutionary teaching biological imperative thing and he applied it to capitalism. So he's like, it's survival of the fittest, dog eat dog, fucking stab people, sell, sell stock to train, right. train tracks that don't exist. Ha <laughs> ha, capitalism, right? right? But the thing is that when it comes down to it, we think of survival as, we think of evolution as 
kill people and take all the shit. Mm-hmm. Now, what's going to help you survive more? You kill everyone and have all their shit and hoard it in a cave by yourself, or you create bonds, long-lasting bonds with groups of people who will have your back because you have their back. Mm-hmm. A group of 50, 150 people, that's your tribe, right? right? Now, I think we're constantly trying to find a tribe in some sort of way. We're constantly trying to find that group of people that's going to have our backs, mm-hmm. right? Now, so that means that we have this need to belong, right? Mm-hmm. We have this need to be a part of something. So when I look at the neighborhood that I grew up in or the kids that I grew up in, the ones, they all wanted, they all fit, fit together. Mm-hmm. I didn't fit in. Of course I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be liked. I wanted to be, I wanted to be loved, et cetera, accepted, et cetera. But they were like, no, you have to act and talk and be in this certain way. And I thought that all that was fake. So I think the thing is that, like, where does that black identity come from? When I look at it, I go, like, white people invented that. White people, record executives (laughs) invented a way of blackness that black people went, oh, that's black. And then everyone started acting in this way. And if you didn't act that way, then you weren't accepted as a black person amongst black people. Well, it's it's there's certainly a marketed image mm-hmm. uh, that that is I get almost synonymous with certain racial groups. Definitely, you know what I mean. Um, yes, exactly. Black people, it, we are boy, we were musical. We can dance, right? Big old dicks. That's what that's what's going on, right? That's what we're being sold, right? Right. But you were gonna say. Well, I was just going to say that uh, it's interesting to me talking about this, particularly with you, because we're both comics. And I noticed something with comedians, race goes out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, I have met, when I started comedy, I was a white, I'm essentially a white guy for all intents and purposes by appearance. To the naked eye. Yeah. So, um, you know, I uh, when I started in comedy, I was one of the white guys in an all-black comedy club. And it, for the first, not for the first time, my high school was in a city area, so I went to high school with a lot of black dudes. Uh, uh, Pennsylvania, outside of Philly, and I went to high school in Norristown. Um, and I went to high school, the, Norristown was a little city, and yeah, there's a lot of black dudes <laughs> that lived in the city. Right, right. So uh, I went to, that's where I first became friends with black kids. Because I didn't, where I grew up was the suburbs, and it wasn't until high school that I went over here to this other place and met people that I didn't grow up with. Um, but fuck all that. The, the the true like racial experience for me, evolution, whatever, was when I started doing comedy and was the white guy in a black room. Because now I was, there were some black people at my high school. There were no black people at my grade school. When I did comedy. It was all black people. Mm-hmm. I was the white guy. I was the minority for the first time in my life. Mm-hmm. And as much as I probably would have thought in the beginning of all that, mm-hmm. that race wouldn't be something we could discuss loosely because I was different, it was like the most open, nobody gave a fuck about it. Like I remember asking Two Ray yeah. Gordon, who like mentored me, great comic, check him out if you ever have the chance. Um, I remember saying to him once, I wrote this joke. I was like six months in to comedy. I, I wrote this joke about black guys, and I'm afraid to do it, though, because I'm the white guy, whatever. And he goes, do that shit, man. We make fun of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. And it was that fucking simple. Like, when people in the audience would 
heckle me because just because I was white or mm -hmm. not give me a shot. Like those guys got my back and were like, like gave the audience shit. Like like fucking respect this guy. Right. You know what I mean? Like th th it's not cool what you're doing. And it was just like this experience. And I realized you have black people protecting you from black people. Was interesting, but but here, but this is the thing. I never felt like it was a black dude protecting me from a black dude. I felt like it was a comic protecting me from the audience. And I really, in a very very, you know, supercharged, fast, hmm. dose shot, whatever, boom, had like this enlightening thing immediately in comedy where I was like, race doesn't matter to comedians. Not that it doesn't matter in the sense that like they don't talk about it or guys like Paul Mooney aren't racially charged. Obviously, it matters. But comedian ranks higher than race on the fraternity scale. Okay. Like, we're all in this together. It, it can for some people. You know? And some people race high, is higher than comedy. I think most comics, though, co comedy is higher. It depends on the... I think it depends on the comic because, like, there's rings of comedians. Like, some of us get into this because we are, look, I, I try not to shit on the reasons that someone might want to do comedy or the kind of comedy that they do. Right. But there are, diff, there, we have the differences. There's some of us that are interested in it because we are interested in thinking, interested in advancing and evolving ourselves and, and, and pointing out what we think is wrong in the world. Right. Some people just want to have fun and do voices and sing songs and do silly dances. Right. Some people just want to talk about nothing but pussy all day long, though. But yes. what I'm saying is even to the racially charged comedian, when you're in a room backstage mm -hmm. with a bunch of you, I feel like that interest is right behind we're all in this together right now. Do you see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying, but I'm not, I'm not sure that I've had the similar experience. Really? Yeah. Have you had? Well, because I'm a black comic that doesn't do black comedy. And didn't come up in the black comedy scene. So you're saying from black comics to you, you've had a dissimilar experience. I, yeah, it's an interesting... I, I've had the black comics... You know, I'm just, I was actually just remembering when you were telling me that story the first time I ever heard your name. Mm -hmm. was from Mark Theobald, actually. Oh, I Might love Mark. Might have been Mark. a conversation with Mark and Todd Lynn. So Mark was probably saying something nice, and Todd he, was probably saying that I should die or something. Todd said something. You know Joe DeRosa? And then Mark Theobald went, uh, yeah, 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 Joe DeRosa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy that gets mad about things for no reason. <laughs> and he's like, then he did an impersonation. He's like, chicken McNuggets. That's what, that's what he said. Uh, I used to have a bit where I scream about chicken, chicken McNuggets. McNuggets. And then Todd said like, yeah, 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 yeah. And they, I, if I, as I remember, they both agreed that you were funny. Wow. Well, that's huge because Todd, it took, Todd, unfortunately, is no longer with us. And rest, he was very, rest his peace. Yes, he was a very funny comic, but I'd say an honorary guy. Uh, yeah, he was he was honoring me too. He, I felt like hated me for many years, and I'll never forget the night that he he I was like ten years into comedy, mm -hmm. and eight years knowing this guy, and he finally pulled me aside. He was fucking with me, and he pulled me aside, and he goes, and he leans in real quiet so nobody could hear. We were at Stand Up New York, and he goes, "Hey man, you know I respect you, right? I'm just fucking around." And I was like, "Holy shit." Wow. Like that was, was that when he kind of knew that he was about to die? It was it was still a ways out. It okay. was still a ways out. Like he was he was he I think he had been diagnosed with cancer. Right. But he wasn't in bad shape yet. It was kind of like the beginning. It was before his eyesight was going and all that mm. stuff. But the funniest slam 
potentially that I've ever received in my life. It's a toss-up between this one and, and, and one that Patrice just laid across my fucking face. Both once. dead. I know. Another guy, right? And um, Todd was walking one day, and he was on two, crutch, two canes because he was blind. And uh, he heard my voice in the airport. It was at the Montreal Festival. We were coming home. He heard my voice in the airport, and he goes, Ugh, DeRosa, is that your voice I hear? <laughs> and I go, uh, I go, Jesus, Todd, you know, when, 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 are, you, when are you gonna lighten up, man? And he goes, Just, just because I'm blind, don't think you can't offend my other senses. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, that's incredible. And then Patrice once, when I had a beard and mm -hmm. long, longer hair. I said something, and he looked at me and goes, man, shut the fuck up, you halfway through a werewolf transformation. <laughs> Those are the two best slams. I can't decide which pretty is amazing. better. Pretty amazing. Um, Both pretty amazing. But Patrice, yeah. as, as we talk about race, was a very, very racially conscious person. Yes, he was. Um, but he's also from Boston. He is from Boston. One of, the, one of the more historic racist cities. Yes, yes. See, I'm from... Our finest racist cities. I, and I try and work, work on a joke about this, too, because I'm from Vegas, and uh, Vegas has a hood, and Kyle Grooms is the only person who ever... I was like, I said I was with a group of people, and I asked what part of Vegas I was from, because people don't know Vegas. They only go to Vegas for one reason, the strip, the gamble, blah, blah, blah. So I said that I grew up in North Las Vegas, North Town. And someone was like, what part of that? What part of Vegas is that? And Kyle Grooms was like, it's the hood. It's the first time, the first time I've ever heard a black person not from Vegas be like, yeah, that's the hood. That, that was aware of what part of the hood. I was like, yeah, Kyle, it was the hood. Thank you. And I knew just, just saying that, like Kyle saying that, it was like, I just got a little bit more respect from Kyle Grooms right now. Yeah. He's like, oh, he's actually from the hood. I mean, I, I didn't know Vegas had a hood. When you said I'm from Vegas, I thought like you, you know, I just North Las you. Vegas, North, North Las Vegas is its own city. We called it North Town, North Las Vegas. And um, that was the hood until I moved to a completely different part of Vegas, which also was kind of hoodie, still a lot of gangs. Regardless, the point of this, though, is I was saying that I, you know, and maybe this is a bigger issue for me, but like, because I'm, I'm such a um, introvert, I isolate, right, for like too long. I, I was talking to somebody about how I feel like, Oh, it was Mike Kaplan mm -hmm. of I don't know that I've ever had a support system in mm -hmm. comedy right. of older comedians, oh, comedians yeah. who are my peers, who are just a little ahead of me, are the only ones who seem to have know what I have done and what I'm doing. Right. Some of those black comics in New York were incredibly supportive, like Theobald, yeah. like Dean Edwards, like Greer Barnes, yeah. Wally, yeah. Uh, Wally Collins, like those guys respected me right and they they liked that i was trying to do something different right but i never got the ear of todd todd lynn i think he he i was group with this i was with this couple people like elon james white and like michelle buteau and stuff that i think he kind of liked us but like we could never tell because he was always so outwardly mean to us right. and everything that we i think he just hated that we were doing this comedy that wasn't how he did it but that's, that's a big thing a lot of black comics don't don't respect me because I didn't go through the black comedy scene because I didn't come up in the urban rooms and I didn't cross over. Mm -hmm. See, and like all those guys that I just named had to do that shit. Well, but yeah, like I, Dean and those, those guys, like Dean and like Dwayne Perkins, and like those guys, they've, they've, they have always respected this is, me. This is so incredibly yeah. interesting because you're a black comic. Mm -hmm. I'm a white comic. Yeah. And you 
didn't do that, and I did that. You did do that. I came you up. And, you and David Foster. And and Big J. And Big J. And Kurt Metzger. We came up in black rooms and had to do the crossover. Right. Like, it's so funny, man. It's so fucking and funny. And I came up. Burr, I think Burr did that, too. Which makes total sense. I came up. I was just, I was started in Boston. I was just doing mics. I never found the scene in Boston, really, before I moved to New York. Right. And then I was in New York, and I, I started doing alt shows, but it was just because that's what was booking me. Right. Not because I was like, now people are like, how do you get on Whiplash? How do you get on The Meltdown? I'm like, I just know those people. I didn't pursue that. Right. That's who was interested in my sense of humor. Well, it's, 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 and that's exactly what happened with me, mm-hmm. except with Black Rooms. I started in a black room. I made friends with black comics mm-hmm. primarily. Uh, and I got like brought into that scene. Mm. And that's how I met talent. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, uh and Capone. Yeah, Capone. Uh, you know, uh uh Toure, as I already said, um uh Kenny Williams, Rob mm. Stapleton. Yeah, Rob Stapleton. Um Mike Yard. Rashid. Like there was, who's also passed away. Mike Jesus. Yard, Mike, Mike, uh, yeah, Mike, uh, Mike Yard, Mike Britt. Uh, I didn't meet Mike Britt until I was going around to the clubs. Okay, like in, in New York to the to the main quote main street. He's clubs from the South, isn't he, Mike Britt? I don't know. Maybe he's like a native New Yorker, but it doesn't matter. I've known continue. Mike for eight years, yeah. and I don't know if I've Anything. ever talked to him for more than four minutes. Not because we don't. <laughs> talk or yeah. don't like each other it's just one of those things like we see each other it's like hey man what's up what's up how you doing i'm good man all right you ready to go on yeah i'm ready cool well, see, <laughs> and maybe this is something that's interesting because it's like you came up in a black scene black comedy scene and they were much more supportive to you i well I, it wasn't it here's the thing the comics yeah were supportive that's what i mean if if some guys were unconditionally supportive yes some guys were ruthlessly uh, uh, uh fair weather you know it was like <laughs> if they if you did well they were great yeah and if you yeah. bombed they wouldn't go near but you still there would that that's still more than i think i had is what i mean to say like it's like me coming up in this alt scene where it's majority white comics everybody was just kind of out for themselves well there was never there was not a lot of like i saw people kind of group into clicks but i never was a part of it well i wasn't either in the uh alt scene See, you have, it's so weird because I never got that from the alt scene. I had to scratch and claw my way into that. Mm. And for the reasons that you were to work in those rooms, just like, hey, I, this is where they're booking me. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I hit a wall with a lot of the clubs in New York, there were clubs in New York that were really supportive to me. Right. Right off the bat. Louis Ferrand at Caroline's, Wayne right. Rada at the Boston, um, Chris Mazzilli at Gotham. Like, these guys were like... They just had my back for whatever reason. They just right. did. And they were unconditional about it. But uh, a lot of the other clubs didn't give a fuck about me. And I couldn't, I just couldn't break through. So then I started trying to go to the alt rooms because I was like, well, here's another side of comedy a that I think will time. accept me. Yeah. yeah. And like, and where I could maybe experiment a little bit more and, and whatever. And, um, and it was a scratch and claw. I felt the same way about white comics, many white comics in New York, as you did about many black comics in New York. Well, and it's funny, too, because I feel like that's what happened to me in the clubs. Like, I was trying to scratch, claw my way into doing more clubs in New York mm-hmm. because I felt like the ultimate is being able to play to everybody, is being able to play to club audiences, all audiences. I should be able to do 
my comedy for whoever, and because I'm good, everyone should yeah. get it. It doesn't matter how alty or imaginative sure, yeah, I yeah, yeah. I should still be able to communicate what it is I think about whatever the hell it is I think about to any audience. Could you go up in a black room and do your act? And, I don't and know. I haven't tried it for a really long time. Last time I tried it was a room in Brooklyn, and I just, oh, you know what? I headlined uh, the Star Dome in Birmingham, Alabama. I've been there. And oh, they hated me. Biggest applause one. I got when I was said, uh, what was when I said I'm about to wrap up. That was the biggest applause that I got. Yeah. I was like, I, are you guys clapping because I'm uh, finishing? And then they clapped even louder. I'm like, oh, great. I was there I, uh, years ago. I, was, I did a split week. I headlined Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah. I think it was, and then I and then I opened for Patrice. Oh, on like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or some something like that. And um, I, an audience was so shitty to me one night in when I was op one of the shows where I was opening for him that I walked off stage after one of the worst bombs I've ever had, and he looked at me and he goes, "That wasn't your fault, man. That wasn't your fault. This audience is fucked up. This this is this is chaos right now." And I was like, "Jesus Christ!" For him. To say that? To say that sincerely and not like capitalize on an opportunity to make fun of me bombing. Like I was like, there there really must be a problem right now <laughs> in the audience. And see, that's the other and thing. And that was, well, well, real quick. Yeah. The, the thing about when I was there, it was so long ago. It might be different now. I don't know. But the thing about when I was there was that was the most segregated audience I had ever seen. And people, when I when I would tell stories about why it was so tough, they they go, why? I would go, the the audience, when I was there was white trash and black trash in a room together but on opposite sides of the room like the trash couldn't even integrate and just be trashy together it was just it was just one side of the room was like fucking just just fucking thugged out you know what i mean the whole thing and the other side was just fucking trailer park you know right, and all right. that it was just the meeting of the two most frightening groups percentages of well, a, of a of two different races and i guess that's where i first of all that's props to patrice for being a real comic because other shitty comics would just throw you under the bus the, the first moment they could get just to get that first laugh they would have just shit on you the moment i got on course, stage yeah but some people are like i'm not going to stoop to that level i have a different i have a different stake in this game right than just cheap laughs right then it makes me also think about the audience, because I think about the audience in a racial sense all the time. Yeah. Um, because it's, that audience was filled with people who had a very specific idea of what they thought comedy was supposed to be. Yep. And it's all tied to racial shit. Because I have discovered that my audience, the audience that likes me the best, are black people who are fed up with black comedy. Right. That's people who would never go to comedy. Right. Because they're like, well, I'm black, so I guess I'm supposed to like this, 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 and this. Right. I'm supposed to watch nothing but Comic View, and I hate that. Right. Then they see me, and they're like, oh, what? there's different shit. Right. I didn't know there was different shit. Right, right. And then they're like, maybe I'm into this. Well, I mean, that's and that's why, to, to come back to the point of comedy comedians in race, mm -hmm. that's why I say I feel like once everybody's in the green room together, race is, is a secondary thought. Because I feel like in the audience, a lot of the time, it's not, you know, i.e., an audience in Alabama where the audience can't even integrate because right. all they see is race. An audience wherever that looks at you and says it needs to be a certain type of comedy, right? Uh, or me, for that matter. Um, and comedians, 
uh, you know, look, I, 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 I'm not going to say we're a heightened bunch, but I think we definitely have our own perspective and it's unique. And even though our perspectives indivi- as individuals may be different, there is a common thread amongst all comedians with their perspective. There's a, there's a few common ingredients that make you do this. And I think one of those things is obviously stepping aside, like Carlin said, and just watching the whole show and not being a part of it anymore. Just being like, I'm just over here watching this fucking idiotic display go on. Right. And I think that's why so many comics don't give a fuck on a one-to-one about race. You know what I mean? I feel like, yeah, and I feel like, like it's interesting, like if I'm at a, if I like run into, I've had that experience where you just run into another comic at an airport. And it's like, oh, my God, we're fraternity brothers. Yeah. I've never even seen your stuff, but I know who you are. You know who I am. Let's sit down, have a drink, have a sandwich. Right. But at a comedy show, I feel like, in my experience, like, the the, the black com, And I think it's because, especially when black comics are serious about comedy, like, we hold people who belong to our group to higher standards. Right. So I think that sometimes there are black comics that think I am just not funny because I'm not funny in what the sense of what they think funny is supposed to be. I'm not talking right. about what I'm supposed to be talking about in a way that they have deemed appropriate. And then other comics are like, hey, that's completely, like some of those comics I just named from New York are just kind of like, hey, I like what you're doing. It's nothing like I, anything like I do, which is why I like it. Well, uh, here's the thing. I think that's another great example of how being too connected to race holds you back. It can be, yes. Because I think there are white comics and black comics and and Hispanic and Chinese. I'm trying to be equal. Uh, <laughs> inclusive. Uh, yeah, inclusive. Yes. You have a better vocabulary than I do. I got uh, a fucking hell of a vocabulary. And it makes me self-conscious. Okay, good. Uh, here's the thing. I think there are black comics and white comics alike that are way too focused on, um, and these are the exceptions, mm-hmm. given what I said a few minutes ago, but they're way too focused on what it should be. And the comics that are focused on what it should be never really get to that next level, I don't think. I think they stay trapped in a very insular world. Uh, they're in a vacuum, and they never quite get out of it. They never get to that next level artistically, but that doesn't necessarily mean they don't get there professionally. Because well, sometimes if you're easy to access, if you're easy to understand, that's sellable. Because that, because sure. that audience in Birmingham, they'll buy shit. Sure. If they if it's exactly what they think it's supposed to be. But that's not making it to me. That's no, no, no. not. It's that's not, not, but it makes me doubt myself. <laughs> no, it shouldn't. <laughs> it makes me go like, "Well, what the fuck am I doing? Everyone seems to everyone else has to have it so easily." It shouldn't. It and shouldn't. I'm struggling over here with like, "What do I think about God?" No, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. I mean, I I understand why it does. It's hard, yes. man. It's hard being the odd man out or whatever. But like, it shouldn't fuck with you because you'll have the kind of Here's my whole definition of this. Okay. When they open up, or definition of what success really is, when they open up the comedy books, you know what I mean? And somebody says, who should I read about in this encyclopedia? If somebody can't say your name or my name, then I feel like we failed. It's not a sitcom. It's not movies. It's not anything. Right. It's were you one of the guys or weren't you? sitcoms and movies and all that stuff can be a part of it. That's yes, great. It can be. But but it's not I mean, there are people out there that have had massively successful projects um and that have made a lot of money off of those things. 
but they're not one of the guys. And that's what it's about is being one of the guys. You know, so as I sit here and say, you need to kind of let go of the team when it comes to race and all that stuff, I'm being a bit hypocritical because I think being part of the team <laughs> when it comes to comedy well, is the ultimate form but of it's, success. It's a different team. It is a very it's different a team. It's a team that's based on perspective and growth as opposed to being limited by your color, which is based on what someone else told you you're supposed to be. There's well, a difference between just, I'm going to be what everyone said, and I'm going to say. Do you think, let me ask you this, because again, here's another similarity that we have, mm -hmm. is being two guys that don't line up with the racial group. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, uh, do you think saying, fuck this, I don't care, mm -hmm. I'm not putting an emphasis on it, I'm just going to do what I do, yeah. and leave me the fuck alone, some people say that's independent and that's progressive yeah. and that's rogue. Other people would say you're just another self-hating member of your race. <laughs> right. You know? And yeah. that bugs me when people people say that to me when I go, I don't give a fuck about the Middle East, man. I don't care. Well, you know, they go, well, you're self-hating. I'm not self-hating. I don't give a fuck. That's different than saying we, sh we should bomb the Middle East. No, no, no. That would be self-hating. Yeah. But I agree with you. Yeah. But people use that self-hating term very loosely. Very, very loosely. Oh, there's all these fucking buzzwords now, you know, that people just like to throw out. Like, like racist actually is probably one. It's a that's a broad ass fucking term. Right. Everything's not racism. Some things are just ignorant, and some things are xenophobic. Like where you're just you're you're only used to your group, so anything that's other than what you know is kind of frightening to you. Sure. It doesn't mean you hate it. Right. But there is hatred sometimes under that and some people are just like for instance okay my friend i was just talking about the orange is the new black girl she plays the character crazy eyes on the show right mm -hmm. very popular character she's black she's african right mm -hmm. so this girl julianne huff i think is her name she's like yeah. one of those dancing with the stars yeah. she went in blackface as my friend for a halloween uh -huh. it was kind of controversial she dressed up in blackface and did her hair and she was trying i'm crazy eyes Right. And there was this huge outrage. Oh, Julianne Huff is in blackface. Is it a black and black and black? I saw that and I'm like, this bitch doesn't know any better. She's, she's, not, hating. she's not full of hatred. She's just ignorant. Right. No one told her you shouldn't wear blackface. She, she, I think, thought she was doing a tribute to a black person that she admires by painting her face black. Well, also, too, but I, I would say that. Get her a slap I, on the wrist and be like, don't do that again. And she's fine. I understand the, 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 the terrible memories and hardship that comes along with the idea of blackface. Right. But I also think, too, to, there's a difference between blackface and somebody putting on makeup and a costume to impersonate. So, like when Billy Crystal did Sammy Davis Jr. on SNL, I didn't look at that as blackface. I was like, no, he's doing a great Sammy Davis impression, <laughs> and they made him up to look like Sammy Davis Jr., like, I never thought that People was... were pissed off about that, though. I'm sure they were. Yeah. I don't doubt it. I don't Jesse doubt Jackson, it. I think. I don't doubt it. But to me, that's, to me, that's a bullshit thing to be angry about. That's like when Glad goes after, uh, you know, a Vince Vaughn movie, because in the commercial he goes, guys, smart cars are gay. You know what I mean. I don't mean gay like gay is bad. I mean, they're just gay, you know? And then Glad makes a stink over that. It's like, come on, Glad. That's not a thing. That's not mm. a thing. You know what he meant 
You, they, he explains well, the joke after he says it. We all know what that meant. But this is the bigger... Go after the real thing. This is, the, this is part of the, what I was saying before when I'm saying that, like, you might say that you don't care about race, but what I care about are people who do care about it. So it's like, like I said, that subtle subliminal messaging. So it, the, 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 the hard thing to quantify is, is it, you know, what's, for me, it's always what's a person's intention? Right. Do they mean hatred here? Right, that's but my point. Sometimes you still have to think about, well, is this going to send the wrong message? Well, because it's like, look, I I don't think Vince Vaughn's homophobic, right? But people, it's just like Mad Men, right? Okay, Mad Men, hugely popular show. Some people like it for the wrong reasons. Some people go like, yeah, it's about slapping bitches' asses and drinking during the day, right? Right. Now, it's is Mad Men responsible for I don't how think people have wrongly taking this no, show i don't think they are i don't think they are at some point to go back to the survival of the fittest thing we have to just cut the ties and say these people are fucking stupid or um uh uh uh, uh they have ulterior motives people are getting angry about things they shouldn't get angry about for one of two reasons they're too dumb to take the time to try to understand it three reasons they're in <laughs> or they're incapable of understanding it right or they have an ulterior motive if i make a stink out of this then this will lead to that and i'll get this out of it these will be the benefits of that for me okay and i don't fucking care about those people it's i said recently about okay. do i like arizona as a state absolutely it's a beautiful place um the landscape is gorgeous the grand canyon is there there are some wonderful cities in Arizona, and I have some dear friends that live in Arizona. But I'm done with Arizona. Yes. That's I'm, how I feel about white people as a concept. <laughs> I'm white done. White people as a concept, I'm fucking done. I have white friends. They can stick around. They're some of the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And here's the thing. None of that offends me. I don't give a shit. Why should it? You're Middle Eastern. I'm not talking about you, Brown. Brownie I'm kind of white. Who knows? Whatever. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. whatever a thousand one Arabian. I know. I know. I know. But dude, that's my point. Is like it's like Martin. Okay, Arizona. Martin Luther King Day. Uh, the the immigration stuff, and now the now the fucking thing with the with the bill about being allowed to say no to gay people be just because they're gay and you don't believe it. I'm done. Oh, I remember. Like I, I like yeah. We have to realize that there are parts of this country there are places of this country that we need that we need to just let fade away yeah yeah you yeah, go yeah. to europe there are ruins in europe right there aren't people going we got to get these ruins back up off the ground get these things populated again no they're ruins it's over it's over there's gonna be ruins here but the thing is that like it's hard when it's a fucking concept joe like when it's like the parthenon and that shit Went, went down and now oh isn't that cool that that's there you know or the coliseum or some shit but like when it's a concept when it's you are less than because of the way that you look you know because of your skin color because of your gender that's a, that's a deep fucking embedded concept absolutely and it's hard to get that shit to go away that's why i think we need to go to space <laughs> that's my joke once we have another planet we can be like fuck them we're finally we'll be all good with each other but here's the only way yeah and i love that joke but here's the only way i feel like we can get to the point of solving the problem you have to cut the fat 
you have to go, Arizona just doesn't get it, guys. Hey, let's all just agree to not go there anymore. Let them have fun within the walls of Arizona. Yeah. Have a ball, guys. Yeah. We're not going to visit you anymore. And it's over. Let it eat itself alive and fade away. Let it fucking fade away. And then the smart people, instead of going, yeah, Arizona's doing this again, and putting all their energy into an unfixable fight. Well, but here's the... Then they can go over here and try to make a better utopia place but that's for, the, for the smart people. That's the question, though. It's, it's ideas are infectious. You know what I mean? They're like a disease. You're basically saying, fucking cut the arm off. That shit's going to spread. Ideas, here's, here's, where you, okay. here's where you're wrong. Ideas aren't that infectious. Because if they were, hear me out. If they were, then the good ideas would be just as infectious. And they're not. Well, but the good ideas are just as not. And you know why the good ideas aren't infectious? Yeah. Because the fucking morons can't absorb them. Well, so why are we trying to translate the good ideas to the morons? Doesn't, it doesn't. It, it's because the, the most effective campaign is fear. So it's like you keep people afraid. We're going to want someone to blame for our problems. Those are the ideas that are infectious. If good ideas had quantifiable results, then like that's why we're starting to move right. towards green technologies and renewable resources and shit because we're finally at the point where companies are starting to be like, actually, that does save us money if right. we do that that way. That's why that shit's starting to become a thing. Mm -hmm. But it's like bad ideas connect to fear. And people go like, shit, I'm afraid. Maybe I, and it's easy to scapegoat. You're, you're, but you're living proof. So am I. We both are living proof that you're born with a certain genetic makeup. And I, I know nature versus nurture and all that bullshit. But at the end of the day, let's be honest, nature always beats nurture. And here's why. Well, it's part of our nature to be affected by our but, nurture, Joe. But here's, but here's. We're a malleable species. Of course. Of course, but your nature will ultimately win, always. And that's why a kid like you can grow up in the neighborhood you grew up in with immense adversity and say, I'm out of here. Dude, I'm be surprised. That, nobody, <laughs> nobody taught you that. Nobody taught me that. No, when, I, when I was walking around in a fucking, you know, like bemused fucking malaise yeah. at 10 years old, not understanding what depression was and that my surroundings were making me sad because mm -hmm. I didn't feel stimulated. I knew at 10, I'm fucking out of here. I'm fucking out of here. People know, yeah. and people, they're not as susceptible as we, we act like these bad ideas are, are like these, these predators that, that will turn people. It's, they're not. People but, know right from wrong. And the idiots, ah, the okay. idiots will turn. So let the idiots turn. But there's usually, and now we know who the idiots are. But there's usually more idiots. Like a lot always, of people, a lot of people, I don't think people are born idiots. I think that we learn to be that. We're taught to be idiots. No, that's, that's not true. I, I think that <laughs> there are people who are, sure, there's people who are born idiots. But like the majority of people, I believe deep down, and maybe this is where all this disappointment can come from. I believe people are good. People want to do good. They want to belong. They want to love and be loved, right? But there are powers that aren't interested in that shit because it doesn't make them any fucking money. So it's like, it's really easy. Okay, so I guess the thing is that this connects, this nature versus nurture thing kind of connects to my big racial problem idea shit because it's like, we don't fucking know what our nature is. 
Okay, because you're saying like nature will run out, went out. Well, nature will always triumph. But we have been told for hundreds of years that our nature is other than what it actually is. Right. I mean, science, medical, medical science was like, yeah, black people are less than. You know, I mean, there's that scene in Django. Do you see Django Unchained? Mm -hmm. Where it's like Leonardo DiCaprio's pointing at the skull and he's saying, you see how the Negro is an inferior yeah. species? They have this dimple here for subserve. Fucking people thought that shit. Right. They thought it was scientific fact right. that these people were less than. They believed that to right. be nature. Right. And people believed that for themselves to be nature. I was born a slave. I'm supposed to be a slave. Right. And I, I'm saying that that's the shit where it's like, it's not as clear as it was where there's clear hatred you're clearly a slave you're clearly in charge it's like this subtle shit in which we're constantly being told this is your nature right that that is a story that we're being told like your nature is this it's it's if you're doing this this and this and this that's natural but i'm saying more than half of that shit is false right more than half of that shit is agenda than anything else and i'm obsessed with finding out what the fuck is real nature and what the fuck is just some story that someone made up to make money? I guess my point is, yes. uh, even as you say, mm -hmm. we don't know what our nature is, meaning you, speaking on behalf of your people. White people. <laughs> you, not knowing what your nature is. Okay, yeah. Because it's been lied Taken about. from, yeah, changed. Transformed and deformed, I should say. Yeah. Uh, and it's been bullshitted. Here's the thing. Even knowing that, even knowing that there's a question mark, even knowing that there were lies, there's still the thing in you inherently that rises above that and is still a forward-thinking, progressive person. And that's the nature I'm talking about. Okay. I don't need to know where my bloodline comes from or what my genetic predisposition to be smart or stupid or whatever the fuck it is, is mm -hmm. I just need to know what my heart is telling me. Okay. I'm talking about the nature that's your soul, that's your heart that says to you, dude, here's the right thing. Here's the wrong thing. You know, that's bullshit. You got a bad feeling in your stomach because you know what's wrong, what you're doing right now. That basic thing is what prevents somebody from absorbing uh, uh, a good idea or a bad idea or, or, or subscribing to a good idea or a bad idea. It's that thing. And the people that aren't capable of it, hey, tough shit. Some dogs are born with three legs. You know what I mean? Like I'm tired of this mentality that, that we have to try, to try to sink down to the level of the stupid so we can hopefully pull them up to the level of the, of the well, intelligence. It's I don't never going to fucking happen. I don't think it's sinking down to the level of the stupid as much as it is removing the roadblocks that have been put in place. Like these roadblocks that we think are natural. These roadblocks, there are certain limits to what you can do. I, I mean, I went to fucking theater school, Joe. Right. There was four black people in my class, which was the more, mo more than any other class. Right. And people were like, well, why aren't there more people of color? Because we're not fucking taught right. this. Nobody came to my school and was like, you, black person, you can be an actor. You should go train in the theater. Right. Learn about all these words written by these dead white people, and you can fucking be an actor. Right. No, but that's not, it's not, it wasn't taught to my community. You know but what I mean? It, and my point is, is it could be. It could be. It could be if you build the utopia. 
And the only or way, rem- or just remove some roadblocks. It's the, not even a built building re- utopia. It's just but, being like you too can be above to me what you're told to be. To me, removing the roadblocks though is turning your back on the places that refuse to get it, and saying mm. we're going over here, guys. That's what that's that's my whole point. I see. Is you turn your back to a place like Arizona and just go, guys. I'm done. We're done arguing with you about this. You don't fucking get it. You have bad leaders. You have a bad fucking structure. You know, I'm so, dis- just as a side note, so fucking disappointed that people that I know and, like, respect are, like, right, well, I'm losing respect for them now because they're writing things, like, on their blogs, like, far as I could tell, all this all this bill said was that we could, that they just had the right to refuse, but the bleeding heart, le- it's like, are you fucking kidding me, man? It's the goddamn bullshit language they always put it into right. so they can fucking perpetuate their hatred. So you know what, guys? You don't get it. You've never gotten it. We'll be over here where we do get it. Which well, is- here's a, and here's an example of, did you see uh, Inside Job? Uh, that documentary about the financial no, collapse? No, 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 no. For there, some reason, yeah. I thought it was a Denzel Washington movie. No, you're thinking of The Inside Man. <laughs> That's what I was thinking of. Directed by Spike Lee. Yeah. <laughs> starring Chiwetel Ejiofor, the, the star of 12 Years a Slave. That guy's in... Uh, uh, Inside Man. Inside Man? Yeah. And he was also an American gangster. Who's he an American gangster? He's like the guy that... Because remember Cuba Gooden Jr. plays Bumpy Johnson or something? Yeah. He starts becoming close with him. He's British you know, actor. He's in there. What? Fuck it. We're si- we have like three minutes, and I, oh. I I don't want you to be late. And it's fine. Let's not talk about movies. I wanted to. Hear, yeah. Your point. The, the 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 last thing that I was going to say was, um, you were talking. To, Inside Job has a perfect kind of uh, f- uh, fable, I guess, in the beginning of it, where I talk about ideas are infectious, right? So, Inside Job, we had a financial collapse in this country. Iceland had a financial collapse when they tried to copy what the United States does for like a year and the entire economy of Iceland collapsed. Right. That's yeah. how the inside job starts. Right. Where they're like, you know what? We need to make money like the United States. And they started trying to privatize shit and it collapsed the economy of Iceland. That's because they just tried to do something that we invented. Right. Sweden. This is interesting to me because I, I've been to Sweden a couple of times. I was dating a Swedish woman for like five years who lives there. And there's a new political party called the Swedish Democrats. Right. Who she was, she's like, they're incredibly racist. They're ridiculous. <laughs> Here's what it is. Yeah. These are a bunch of Swedish people who are like, we got to keep Sweden Swedish. It's only in the last 20 years that they've started having a lot of immigration, a lot of Africans, a lot of Middle Eastern people coming to Sweden to, to be Swedish, you know, to, t- to leave their countries and go participate in a better economy, a better right. civilization, they think, for themselves. Suddenly, there's a lot of people like, they're taking all of our shit, guys. Right. These people are coming over from fucking Africa and Turkey, and what the fuck are they doing? Right. We got to keep sweet and Swedish for the people who were born here. Right. And the way that she described their commercials and how they are on talk shows, I'm like, these guys are just doing exactly fucking Fox News. Right. It's not even like wrong information. It's so much information. No one knows what the fuck is what anymore to the point that some guy walked around the third biggest city of Sweden shooting people with a gun that he thought weren't Swedish. Right. Just shooting people in the street that right. were a little brown right. or a little dark. And he was like, uh, what, fucking, you're not Swedish? <sighs> That's the kind of shit that we're putting out. That's what I'm saying when it's like, those are the ideas that are infectious. And I want to pinpoint where those ideas come from, how many of them there are, and fucking end them. I can tell you where they come from. Uh-oh. I can tell you where they come from. 
and it's not a copycat syndrome, and it's not that ideas, bad ideas are so infectious. It's that human beings are human beings, and power and money do not corrupt. They just allow you to be the cunt that you always want it to be. And people are possessive. They are fucking materialistic. They are fucking warlike. They are violent. Is that our violent. nature? Uh, I, think, I think it is the nature of many people. Okay. And I think that that is, I think that, that those elements are in you and in me too. I think we all have a little bit of that. But the analogy I always use is this. Mm-hmm. All dogs are born in the wilderness. Some can be housebroken and some can't. And we got a lot of dogs out there that aren't able to be housebroken. So you know what, guys? Run around in the woods, kill whatever you want, kill each other. I don't fucking care. I'll be over here with the rest of the golden retrievers. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. I'm just interested in opposites. I, I believe those things that you say are natural, but I believe that the opposites of them are also equally as natural. It's just that we're taught to be one or the other. That's where I got. That's where that nature shit comes in. Nurture shit comes in again. I mean to say, I believe that we had a perfect button with that golden retriever thing, and you went one sentence too far. Okay, I'll be over here with the golden retrievers. <laughs> I'll be over. You be over there with the golden retrievers. I'll be over here with the black labs. <laughs> uh, all right, that's fair. Uh, uh, <laughs> black labs sounds so much better. God damn it! I should have said black labs. <laughs> Golden Retrievers is funny. Uh, so is Black Labs, and it sounds cool. Ah, you beat me. All right, listen. Uh, the only reason I'm wrapping up is because I know you got to go. Uh, you have to be somewhere. Um, I could talk to you about this all day, so let's. we should do an episode of your podcast where we do this. We'll, we'll continue this on deep shit. Yeah, um, but uh, I love seeing you, man. I love talking to you. You're amazing. You're, you're such a funny comic and such a sharp thinker. Half like of those things are true. It's, they're all true. I'm really serious, man. <laughs> Uh, what, what's, what do you want to plug anything or? Yeah. Check out my podcast, deep shit with mm-hmm. Baron Vaughn. Um, very similar to this podcast. It is very similar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you were first. So check that out. And, uh, thanks for joining us no matter what color you are. <laughs>